Ultra. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are rowing through Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. I'm Kestra Dorowski. Today, we are again joined by John Dorowski, coming back to finish off the week. Glad to be here. And we are discussing Minute 65 of The Little Mermaid, which begins with Eric looking closer at the girl who seems to be using Ariel's voice, who is using Ariel's voice, uh... And it ends with Ariel turning away from a mirror, and she begins running out the door. I mean, transition seconds between leaving the mirror and running out the door. We're going to talk about her stepping out the door, I think, because there's like a one-second shot that we want to talk about, um, the, the background of the scene. Anyway, we'll get to that. Minute 65 of The Little Mermaid features a girl walking on the beach with a shell necklace that's glowing, and this girl is putting Eric under a spell. Skettle flying into Ariel's room to congratulate her on uh, Eric's engagement and and very sudden wedding announcement. Uh, and Ariel's getting excited about this, uh, and and she goes to the mirror to fix her hair, and then she runs out the room. Yeah. So that's what happens here. Yes. Uh, so. Anyone have anything specific they want to talk about? I have so many specific things There's I a, want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I think I, this, I think, is a fairly specific minute. So there's a lot of specifics. Well, Do you have anything general that you want to talk about? Well, let's... Is there anything on Eric getting entranced? What is the nature of this mind control spell? Because this is a new magic, right? We haven't had this magic showing up. Um... If Ursula had the power to control people's minds, why couldn't she just do that to Ariel and hold her hostage for King Triton anyway? Does this depend on the voice in some way? It seems like the voice matters. So it might be the voice. Well, especially in this case, because she's trying to basically come off as Ariel. Um, But I think it could also, maybe she can't control mermaids and it's a human thing magic against humans yes all right so should we move into the specific things that we have for the minute anything like we're good let's get into it is there anything else with with eric oh that's right that's what we were talking about eric and the beach not not specific stuff we're going chronologically yes um i like the effect of of the magic light like creeping up his face and going into into his eyes. Like, it very clearly indicates, like, magic is affecting him, right? So they're doing a good job with the showing, not telling, right? Nobody tells you that he is under someone's control. They just convey that through the imagery. And I think that it's pretty solidly done. It's good storytelling. Yeah. Uh, mentioned on the last minute, the dissolve with the match cut from the glowing necklace to the moon which was done very elegantly. But as we transition from Eric being possessed to the next day, very inelegant cut. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's it's a hard cut. That's totally fair. There, so I know, is there anything else for Eric? I or know, are we into the morning? Are we into the morning? I think we're into the morning. Okay, I we know. Can, we can backtrack, right? Yes, if we, we can. Need if we to. need to. I know that, John, you have a lot to say about the room. So before we get to yes, that, yes. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple of things. One being some 
music that we hear. Okay. The music we hear as Scuttle flies in and um, and un- the underscore and everything we hear is actually used in the Broadway musical version of The Little Mermaid, which Alan Menken also composed. Uh, it is in the song... Wait, he adapted his own stuff into new stuff? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I know. Very shocking and surprising, like you didn't know. <laughs> um, but in this specific song was was used as a song that Ariel sings in her mind out loud when, to the when, audience. When she can't be singing. When she can't be singing. But it's called Beyond My Wildest Dreams, and it's happening... When she is taking up, when she's getting her bath, when she's looking, when she's looking around and she's like, oh, I'm human for the first time. This is, this is all new. So, um, this score, um, the, the sound you hear right as scuttles flying during the morning is used in the musical and it's the exact melody that Ariel sings. I think he does that a couple of times. Yes. Um, He pulls, he pulls stuff from the score and turns it into a musical number. Yeah, and I think we've probably missed a couple. It's it's sometimes hard. I'm I'm sure he used one for the the dancing song that he that um in the musical that mm-hmm. Eric sings. I'm sh- I'm sure I'm that's sure it. that's in there, and yeah. and there's a couple others I'm sure are in there. I just I haven't picked up on. And it's it's like significant expansion because the musical is going to be significantly longer than this movie. Right? Yes. If we were doing that by minute, we'd be here for like four extra weeks. Yes. Um, and so that is, and it's. Of course, going to be interesting how the live action adaptation yeah. is going to incorporate stuff from from the Broadway show or new things. Obviously, Lin Manuel Miranda is involved, and so there's definitely new stuff. I won't guarantee one new song because yeah. they want that Oscar nomination. Lin <laughs> needs it, right? He's that close to an ego. Yeah, he just needs that Oscar. Yeah, uh, and so like, ever thought he was going to get it with Moana? Didn't get it, so we're going to hold off and keep yeah. waiting. Like, he's going to get it. He's going to get it at some point. Uh, we just we just know it. Even if even if it's years from now, he'll yeah, so get it. Maybe it'll be in The Little Mermaid. Maybe it'll be something else. Um, he he seems to be getting along well with Alan Menken, and I think that's a pretty solid duo. Alan Menken has a pretty strong track record on winning Oscars. Um, he is currently, of all people living, the Oscar winningest person alive. Yes. So not 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 of all time. That one goes, I think, to Walt Disney. That's Walt Disney for all uh, time. For all time, but and he, uh, he's not the nomination victory holder. But that goes to he has won eight Oscars, and nobody else yes. has eight Oscars in their pocket. The most nominations is that John Williams. No, that's Walt Disney. Well, Walt, Walt Disney, Disney also had the John Williams yeah. the most living nomination. Yeah, nomination living, of the living person. And he's, yeah, and he's so, moving and along really. He well. could catch up to Disney. It's only a yes. couple yeah. away. Yes. Yeah, he's 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 close. He's, yeah, he's, he's very pretty close, close, and I'm sure he'll get um, there. But uh, with with Lynn and Alan working together, I was come on. I was um, watching a I, I don't know what to call it a. a a stream of it was a live stream from the, the, from the Disney, Walt family. Disney family mm-hmm. museum, and they talked about how Lynn used to go to school with Alan's niece and like bugged her a lot after Little Mermaid came out, and um, and it, it was a very fun story. So if, I think they st- they might still have that up on their Facebook page or something. So mm-hmm. you should you if you're listening to this, listeners, um, go check out go the, check go the, check. Get out. Walt the, Disney Family Museum. Yeah. 
uh, there's a video in Check August. out their Facebook page. Yep. With Alan and, and Lynn, and it was really great. Yeah, it was a special event with um, Alan Menken. He did at least two, like, ten-minute medleys of it's his beautiful. own stuff. He 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 really has written some some solid stuff. Um, and we've talked a ton about Alan Menken's music um, and and things um, and pointed you to, to other resources about it. But, like, guys, it's really good stuff. He's won more Oscars than anybody else living, so, like, yeah. it's, it's worth checking these things out. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to point out for this minute was Scuttle, as he's nudging... Nuggying? He's, yeah, giving, he's giving Sebastian a Sebastian. Sebastian. He says, you silly sidewalker. I picked up on that, too. It's, so, it's a good one. Well, here's my question. Is he saying that Sebastian walks sideways, or that Sebastian works for the Ministry of Silly Walks? I... I think it's that. It's, I think it's really because just just from being a crab. Just for even though we don't really see Sebastian walk sideways. Mm-mm. I feel like much yeah. Ever. I feel like he usually walks forwards. Um, yes. And I, okay. Well, for a crab, that would be a silly walk. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> silly. Um, yes. And now I'm trying to. I'm starting to wonder if I'm crazy thinking back on this, whether or not this actually occurs in the movie. So most of the time he walks and and his legs move. Um, you know, scuttlingly, um, right? But, but like I scuttle. feel yes, not to be confused <laughs> with scuttle. Um, but I also feel like there's a moment where he is like pacing slowly forward, and he moves all three legs on each side together, like a big. There is a moment, and I can't, like I'm a big sure, and I marching step kind of thing. I can't think of where that. But it's really brief, right? And, but it's notable because it's different. That is not how he usually walks, which they could have very easily had I, him. Move I think it might be one them. where they he's like a... creeping forward or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think it's when he's got the lettuce on his head when yes. he's he's yes. sneaking yes. around yes. Chef yes. Lou's yes. kitchen, right? He's trying to be sneaky, and so all three legs are moving together on each side, and so it's the typical walking pattern. Instead of the the spidery scuttling walk, which that feels like it probably could have been a lot easier for them to just animate him with all three legs on each side consistently working together. But I mean, they had to deal with a lot of excess motion and animation between his legs and Ursula's tentacles. Like, that's a lot of stuff. It's possible that Scuttle calls him a sidewalker because that's what seagulls call crabs. They're like, they're sidewalkers, and then they're like, oh, he's silly, and he also has a silly walk, and so he's the silly sidewalker. And so he doesn't know the word crab? Yeah. I mean, Scuttle. It's true. Or Scuttle being racist. That's maybe a little extreme. (laughs) I think think it's uh, it's more jovial. It would be a casual racism. Nah, we're gonna gonna (laughs) help him steer full clear of that. He's everybody's friends. Is he a little insensitive? Sure, but racist. Well, yeah, he, he's insensitive. He comes flying in at who knows what time in the morning to wake them up with his well, walking. After, after dawn, that's, that's probably fine, right? Yeah. That's game. Yeah, but they're sleep, They're obviously sleeping. I mean, that's your true. parents of young children. How do you handle it when kids come in and wake you up from sleeping? They don't. Yeah, we keep our door closed. <laughs> and, and our <laughs> and, kids can't open the doors yet. Doors yet so. so their door's closed and our door's closed and they can't open doors yet. Do they wake us up sometimes? Yes, and but so. they are typically just play in the mornings. They're just playing together. Yeah, so and, and so we don't have to like alert in the mornings. It's yeah. it's a gentle waking up mm-hmm. of giggling and laughter and singing. 
Well, I would say that uh, even with Scuttle in there, Ariel pretty gentle waking up there. She takes her a, a second to come fully aware of what's going on. Ariel kept her balcony doors open, which weren't open when she was combing her hair with the dingle hopper. Oh, we'll get to this. But she 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 left her doors open, so she was just inviting him in Must... and inviting the sound of dawn in. Yeah, or did so she, she want to listen to the ocean? Oh. oh. But <laughs> is she used to the sound of the ocean when she's under the sea? These are the hard yeah. questions, everybody. Yes. yes. Right. <laughs> We have not talked about the 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 audio dynamics of undersea communication with well, mermaids talking and whatnot. Never never mind the fact that fish can't talk and stuff like that. But but like hearing things. I mean, sound travels farther under the water. I know that from like discussions of whale noises. But I don't really know how volume, like, is volume and distance are two different things. Yeah yeah and and but like um. Yeah, is she going to be hearing the crash of waves down in the water? Is know. it comforting to her? I don't know. I think it would probably depend on how deep down she's sleeping, which brings up a question about sleeping. Are you a side sleeper or a back sleeper? Side Ari- sleeper. Ariel is a side sleeper. Sebastian started on his stomach and by this point is on his back. Yeah. We're both... Side. I'm, a, I'm a side sleeper. Sometimes I go, get on my back a little bit, but I will. I will do my back some. And at times in my life, I've been much more focused on back. At times in my life, I was very stomach centric, um, which I don't understand how I ever our, did because our, I can't. I can't do that anymore. Our children, especially our son right now, our, our daughter's kind of transition transitioning into like back. She'll sleep in, in a few different positions. But There's our, that really our, great that the. Well, there's two really great pictures of of our daughter sleeping. One is when she was just halfway onto her bed and so just her torso is on the bed and the, her legs are just dropping down to the floor so that's a classic but then there was also the time where when, i mean she was how old she was like this, nine months old for this other picture the one in the hotel yeah she was almost a year old okay and in that one she decided to just essentially sit and then lay her torso down between her legs mm-hmm. and fold in half which we went ahead and adjusted for her. Um, yes. but the, the, you can do that as a kid. Yeah, infant, infantile a flexibility. <laughs> I mean, she's a very flexible child, but but especially That's our son right now, and most of the time for our daughter, they they lie on their bellies with their knees underneath them and their butt in the air, and their hands kind of curled up under them, so their shoulders yes. get a little bit curled. And push their their neck up, and they but yeah, it's like their hands are cold, and so they stick their hands between their knees, which they have curled up underneath them. Yeah, kind of like a frog. Yeah, it, it, like they've been sleeping like both of them for a long time. That's I think, the default. I think now that our daughter has a pillow and is almost three, she is she's lying down, lying a lot down more. a lot more. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're both side sleepers typically, occasionally back, but well. When There's I'm pregnant, re- I'm more on my back. Well, or backside. Like, it's, like, not entirely on my side, and it's not entirely on my back. Well, you like, so you'll, like, cushion um, yeah. for for how far on the side. So you're getting, like, the side pressure without being on your side. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ariel seems to have adjusted pretty well to sleeping in bed. I don't know how she sleeps in the ocean, what we, position it is. We had some questions about or that. Or do they tie themselves down so they don't get carried by a current? <laughs> oh, like astronauts. Because you get... 
fall asleep and if I mean, you're in a curtain you could end up miles away yeah. but they're and they're usually in rooms like they have architecture so that should yeah. keep if them you, safe from the currents if for the you most look part. at the tv series the animated tv series of little mermaid there are scenes where she is sleeping and they have like seashell i was gonna say beds. i assume it's a giant seashell that's open and there's a bunch of pillows in the middle of what yeah half yeah, of it. yeah and um, I mean, they don't tether, tether themselves down there. They're just and sleeping. they don't use blankets. Yeah, probably. I, I haven't do, seen it's all. Probably of them. like a, 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 a. I mean, they don't use jackets. They don't use blankets. They don't use much clothing in general. Yes, this is true. <laughs> um, Especially if you're male. Yeah, but, but relatively like, I mean, there's not a lot of fabric. <laughs> under the sea from from what we see in the in the show right like they're not using are they using no. capes much no no so the, 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 the manta ray doesn't... the evil manta ray looks like he has a cape but that's, that's just really his stuff. His... voiced by tim curry yeah reason why that's a callback to to some protagonist podcast stuff that we recorded recently that doesn't really <laughs> carry through to you guys but um but if you like Tim Curry... It, it, it's, it's worth noting, Tim <laughs> Curry did the voice of the evil Manta Ray in the Little Mermaid series. Yeah, it actually has a prolific TV animation Extremely career. Extremely prolific. Yeah. Well, I guess now we know right. why Aquaman doesn't wear a cape. Yeah, he's <laughs> just no good. <laughs> no fabric under no the water. Capes. Um, no capes. Okay, so... Tell that to Superman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of excuses for like, <laughs> why a cape is good. I mean, Eric was wearing a cape this minute, so... True. Or is it a cloak? Well, <laughs> subtle distinctions. Should we get into what you have to say, I, no, John? Or, no, I've got some stuff before, before that. Yeah, some action before we're dealing with backgrounds and, and room layout and all that sort of stuff. Um, Just tease them more about what I'm going to talk about. Come yeah. on. Um, so we've talked a lot about Ariel's hair and certain properties that it possesses and everything. Uh, this is a really good minute for it because they actually do animate her waking up with slightly disheveled hair, especially by her standards. Not not on a disheveled hair. No, not extremely but... <laughs> disheveled hair, and not realistically disheveled hair, but somewhat disheveled. Her bangs are not quite as tidy as they usually are, and there's a little bit of, of um, I don't know what the term is, you know, like flyaway hair, mm-hmm. you know, like Flyers. basically, um, that's what it looks like and, is going on with and her. The, the main part of her hair isn't all uniformed and together it's kind of breaking away from each other yes and so the attempt at bedhead is there throughout the discussion with scuttle and then she stands up she picks up sebastian uh, does she give him a kiss in this and and as she spins her hair corrects itself to her standard bang arrangement it is in the spin they animated this instead of just waiting two seconds for the cut when she jumps to the mirror to fix her hair somehow her hair is just fine. All she has to do is twirl around once at the edge of her bed. Okay, you, you, yes, that is a very lovely moment. You pointed it out to me while we were watching the minutes. Because I noticed that her hair was disheveled. I was like, how long did that last? And I was like, wait, it's gone. What happened? So we had to back it and up a couple times to find it. It's in the middle of her turn. And right? Her I, hair is away from the audience, and then it's fixed. I thought it was a really lovely little, it, it's little thing great. to do. It's kind of great. But you mentioned her playing with or correcting her hair in the mirror. She does nothing she to did, it. She, like she fluffs, fluffs it up. And it, does she even like push it back behind her shoulders or is it I just don't up? I think so. She just like like lifts up two parts of the that are next to her face and, and then drops it. 
And I'm just like, wait, this does wait. nothing. Like, that's not how you do your hair? No. That's not all that's necessary it, when you wake up in the morning? You part it perfectly. You would probably have to quaff the, the bangs that she yes. has. Yeah. Like, there's a lot that you have to do. It's not just... Spinning around <laughs> once and fluff. Yeah, it's not that. I mean, maybe it's more effective than we realize. Or maybe most of these animators were men. Or maybe, if I may, this ties into my thesis for this minute. Magic room, magic That this room is magic. It's a very special room. It is. This is a magical room. So we've seen this room before. We have have had, like, the background painting of this room um, previously, right? We've talked about her using a dinglehopper to comb her hair and putting putting it down next to a brush. And I talked Mm -hmm. briefly about how in the commentary they were wanting it to be, or they were getting influence from... Laura Ashley, is that what I said it was? I can't remember. For the furnishings and stuff like that. For the furnishings and style. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what do do you have to say about the room? All right, well, let me take us back for a second. Talk about the nature of fairy tales. Okay. What makes a fairy tale versus something like a folk tale or a legend? Now, there's debate about this. I'm I'm going to be pretty broad. So don't take this as specific definitions, (laughs) um, but these are general ideas. So, both fairy tales and folktales can come from an oral tradition. Well, folktales are from an oral tradition. Fairy tales can be from an oral tradition, but they're not fairy tales until they're written down. Okay. And we have fairy, ta- and we have fairy tales like Hans Christian Andersen, where they are original and they just write them down. It's not coming from an oral tradition at all. Uh, these used to be really performed in literary salons in the 1600s, 1700s. So, in the 1800s, that's when they start transitioning to children's tales. Um, they do tend to be short because it was really to be read out loud. Uh, and so, though some of them were long, the original Beauty and the Beast is like 50 pages. Wow. Very, and, I mean, the same ideas are going on as you will find in the eventual Disney Minute on the right. Beauty and the Beast, but uh, the original story is uh, quite different in other regards. So another thing is that folktales... Uh, are more based in the real world. They can have magical elements, but it's more based in reality. Fairy tales, magic is assumed. Yeah, you can get, and you can get pretty extreme with some of that magic. Yeah, but it's just, magic exists in the world, everyone will accept that magic exists. Here we have an interesting case in Little Mermaid where it seems like magic exists under the water, not so much on land. It has to be brought to the land. I mean, that could just come from the area of focus that we have. Yeah, Um, yeah, just looking at this story being told here, we do seem to have that divide of a gateway between the worlds. That you have magic, magic world underneath, regular, or our normal world above. Based on the text as it exists, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But... Uh, or, or is that just... Is it magic? Or is it just how things are under the water? We would we, call it magic. Yes. We, we, also, they, we also see... They consider well, it... Ariel has normal. some superpowers, like super strength, because she climbs up... The yeah, she, she has significant upper body strength. Well, yes. as, as I said, it's an, uh, what do we call it now? Priori assumption. Magic exists. Therefore, if we're talking about the undersea world, they would just accept it, magic as part of their normal lives. They wouldn't yeah. necessarily label it. It would just exist. And that's one of the things about fairy tales is magic just exists in the world. Whereas folk tales, you might need some explanation. Legends are based in history, but then uh, can get they ha- they would have to travel away. Mm-hmm. And enter a magical world. So, things like King Arthur's Legends 
they have some basis in reality, but it's usually they have to travel three days out from the kingdom, and then they start encountering magic because that's right. For, that's the edge of the world of the known world. Right, you have to have some sort of external threshold. Yeah, uh, and so that doesn't have to exist in fairy tales, as we will see, because this is a magic room. Yes, I mean we don't we don't know the full origins of this palace. Um, we know a few things about it, but you know maybe there's some magic stuff True. going on. There could be magic that's that's baked into that particular room i mean i don't know i mean okay or, also we do uh, and, and we've talked about this before we do presume actually that this would be uh, a world where there is some magic at least historically because mm-hmm. we presume based on um a very very large painting in eric's dining room that he is descended from uh princess aurora and prince philip um, hmm. In Sleeping Beauty, that that painting seems to depict those two figures, and so we would assume they'd be descendant um, some hundreds of years <laughs> later, fourteenth um, century to nineteenth century. to the nineteenth century. So you know, five hundred or yeah. so years later, um, and so fairy magic definitely real in Sleeping Beauty times, and so maybe some of that is is extant, as we will see. I'll also like to say. Like, maybe Ariel brings magic with her where she goes. I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her hair is magic everywhere she goes. That's... Yes. Her gravity-defying hair. Yes. It behaves as though it's in the water when it's not in the water. And then when it's in the water, it doesn't behave always like it's in the water. (laughs) Yes. But they do... I mean, they did work on the fluid dynamics and and with the the reference model, like, in in a pool, actually, like, moving her hair around and, like, they did do specific things to try and yeah. mimic that, particularly in part of your world. Yes. Uh, probably already discussed. So uh, let's talk about the magic of this room. All right. So uh, we then have to go back to minute 56 because that gives a wide shot of the bedroom as she's laying down to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, we'll call Pro- that the... Probably the foundational... Yeah, we'll call that the master shot. Yes. That's a fair fair and way to As we cut it. to the day, we'll see... A lot of those elements there, but they're a little bit different. We already pointed out the window is open. Perhaps a servant came in because the dingle hopper and the comb are gone from the nightstand as well. Oh, so, so they must have painted an entirely different master shot for um, day versus night. Or, as I said, a servant came in, did some cha- changing, but there are changes that a servant couldn't do here. Well, um, this has been over a day since the last, since minute 56. Okay. Because that happened at night, and then we had a night shot, and then we had day, and then night, and now we're in the next day. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so yeah, a full day has a okay, so day one. Forget no. what I said about the comb and dingle hopper then. But, I mean, I'm pretty... But she had a dingle hopper last night, and we don't know where she yeah. put it. I thought the comb... Now I'm trying to remember everything. Ah, if only we could reference every single still image of this frame by frame. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had the technology to watch it again. But we won't do that right now. Not in the middle of discussion. So in that master shot, you can also see there are a lot of pictures on the walls. And that's mm-hmm. actually brain's consistent. We can't tell what most of those pictures are. Mm-hmm. We One that is clear is of a coastline. But then we go to her nightstand on one side of the bed. There are two nightstands. Yeah. So on the side where the Russian dinglehopper were originally. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a, picture. a small picture there. But if you look at it closely, it's a Picasso. It is a really weird deformed image. 
It looks like a, a Picasso. Picasso. This is too early for Picasso. It is cubist. Take a close look at it. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Take a close look at it. That is a... The timeline's I, breaking. But why would you have a cubist <laughs> nice simp? Yeah, that's a really weird... Is a, uh, also, Picasso's weren't usually, like, bedside-sized. Yes. Right? He was typically no, doing a, bigger canvases. Yeah. We have shelves on either side of the balcony door seem to be built into the wall. When you cut to the day shot, they seem to be hanging from the wall. I'm not going to say that it's absolutely, it could be a matter of angles. Or, or the lighting. Or, or, yeah, it's perspective. Uh, well, I did note what was on the shelves. On the bottom shelf, there seems to be some sort of chest and a couple of books. Okay. Above is a some cups or goblets and a pitcher. And on top is a horse figurine. Okay. On the other side of it, it just looks like books. Which, if we're talking late 1800s, not an issue. Those would have gone down weighing cost if this was Renaissance. Yeah, yeah you, we'd be questioning, why do books. they have books in this room? Yeah, but it's totally reasonable yes. to have books. Um, I think there's some books in Ariel's Grotto. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this there are movie. books in Ariel's Grotto? How would they survive? I, they don't have a map in there, I know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this movie. All right. Beside that painting is a candlestick. There's something else on there. I think it looks like a cup. It could be the brush. Yeah, maybe. It might be. So we have the two nightstands. And they actually did a good job because they do look matching. Like it's a pair. Matching furniture. Yeah, the other side, uh, you have a candle holder with three candles, mm-hmm. a large pitcher on top, and another pitcher underneath. I won't go so far as to say a chamber pot. I don't think it is. So in that, in that case, you mean pitcher as in a, a container, not a... Not a picture. Yes. Or a painting. A pitcher. Pitcher for holding water. Okay. Yes. Because be clear I, was, on that, yes. I was initially thinking, like, I was thinking picture. Uh... I'm sorry, I was I made a mistake there. It is on top is a vase with plants. Underneath okay. is a pitcher. But it, perhaps a chamber pot. I won't go so far as to just, say that. It could just be water. Yes. Let's let's just <laughs> say it's that. It goes with it's the cup water. on the other side. Yes. Yeah. So as uh, we go through the routine of Ariel getting the news or waking up getting the news about the uh, wedding. The bed is a different size than it was at night. And that master shot, it is a long bed. Yeah. It's twice as long as she is. It's a really big bed. Yeah. And it's still too big for her, but it is not nearly that long anymore. All right. Perspective has changed. Yes. Uh, We have changed, also changed from blue sheets to white sheets. That one seems significant. Yeah. But can I say about about the changing of the bed and like, like, I don't know. Just an idea came to my head mm-hmm. that the master shot we were talking about was on the first day, so Ariel still is like in awe of her surroundings and everything going on, and so and now she's more settled. Settled. The room does seem smaller than what was in the master shot at this point. Mm. So you're saying there could be psychological representation. Yeah. yeah. Good. Was gone. Good thinking. Thank you. Uh, yes, that does not explain. <laughs> when no, it doesn't. When we switch to a shot from Ariel's back, the pillows have ruffles. And that is the only shot where they have ruffles. Otherwise, they are normal pillows for bedtime. Yeah, I got nothing on that. I feel like in the rest of them, the pillows are more animated. And that perspective from the back is like foreground painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just didn't coordinate that, which obviously the ruffles would be more difficult to animate. So yeah. they would probably opt for a simpler pillow. Yes. yes. That's that quite possible. 
So a decent meta explanation, but not a good explanation for why they would have ruffles and then not mm-hmm. have ruffles in the room. Yeah. So as we move to the other side of the room, mm-hmm. nightstand we've already gone over, and this is the master shot nightstand picture fireplace, and that and actually the, and is there's con- a mirror above the no fireplace. fireplace, and that is consistent. You have the as she moves over nightstand, you get corner of a picture in that shot. And then we cut, and she's. Uh, over, already over by the fire, or actually past the fireplace and comes back to it. Right. And so that is consistent. Though I I don't get why the fireplace is beside the bed. It seemed more it make, would make more sense to have a fireplace on the other side of the room. Yeah, that's a weird placement. Um, so maybe someone should consider rearranging that. Yes, yeah. yeah, so you know, as you just move a fireplace like you normally Well, do. I meant the bed. <laughs> the, the, the bed is well, the thing it's, it's that's not particularly even that, well, not built in. It, like When you think of a fireplace in the room, you think of that as a centerpiece. This is off to the side. <laughs> to, yeah. So, I mean, it could be now, more this, decorative. This, yeah, or this could be based on an actual place. Like this, yeah. Maybe this was a setup in a castle they went and looked at. It I mean, just strikes I, me as odd. Yeah, I assume that what they really wanted to do was get that mirror into position. Yes. Um, Animator-wise, you know, like, designing it, they're like, okay, we got to have a mirror in this area. Mirror has to be in yeah. something. They had we're just going to put it on top of the fireplace. And like, you could have just done a full-length mirror. But yeah, they already, had, they already scripted all these movements and so that they create a master shot based on that. Yeah. And yeah. Trying to animate it. Yeah. And, uh, on the fireplace, there is a very nice ornament of a boar's head. Yes. Don't know why it's a boar. It's very well done. I don't know why it's a boar's head because that goes against the ocean theme we've seen in the rest of the castle. Yeah, I don't have a good explanation, yeah. but maybe, maybe that village, town, kingdom area is particularly known for boars. Or maybe it was in the nearby forest. Boarded from somewhere else. Right. I mean, I would have thought. This I mean, a, that kind of suits more, like, the Snow White forest yes. area. Like, I would assume there are boars in that forest. Yeah. I don't know. I don't um, have a good right. explanation for that. Yeah. It, it struck me as odd. It's really one of the least important things about this room. Okay. But it, but it, but it's, a, like, a pretty noticeable detail, yes. right? If you're looking for details, like, that is a boar's head. It's really small, but that's the ornamentation. But it sticks out. Yeah. So then she turns to exit the room. We have some more paintings on the wall or pictures. Or we have frames. We can't tell what's in them. Right. Uh, against by the door is a uh, wardrobe. Besides that is a bar, from which are hanging two coats and a hat, but as though they were on hooks. I'm, I would say that most likely there must be hooks that are hooked onto that bar, and so yes. they can be like slid around or something like that. Yeah, that, I feel like you could hide those hooks behind the the coats I, I that are hanging there. I don't know. It's, like the, it's suspicious. It seems like the float coats are just floating there. I I, I will also, argue for mobile hooks. I, I will too. Uh, that doesn't explain the hat that's hanging onto a coat because that doesn't have a separate hook. Yeah, that it doesn't look like it's quite right <laughs> to be hanging on top of the coat that's on the hook. Yes. Yeah, so that seems like it's really just like, ah, and you put some clothes over here. Um, and they didn't want to really commit to like, okay, but like, like I have hung my, my hat on the same hook that my jacket is on. And this does not quite look right for that. Also, it's like the jacket has its own hook sticking out. I am no expert on 19th century fashion in any regards. I don't know if these are really female cloaks that they're hanging there. Also, you have a wardrobe right there. 
Why are they not hanging in there? I don't know if that's where you store war- cloaks. cloaks. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm just pointing things out so I mean, far. And also, we don't know, like, what room is this typically, right? Is it is it a general guest room? Is it something of a storage room? Is that where they keep some of the extra clothing? If it bore's head, it could be a... It, that seems to single masculine. This was in a yeah. really female room. But it might I, not be a female guest is, room. Is this Eric's room? Grimsby's room? <laughs> Has, oh. Oh. <laughs> Grimsby's cloaks? Okay. I, I don't know. That, yeah. I mean, like, it is... It's a prominent room. It's towards the it's top a, of the tower. No, I will say, they were consistent about the placement of the room. Yes. As magic as this room's space is. Yeah, it, the actual in, placement in is, different shots all, of, the, of the palace space. It's always it, this tower yeah. towards the ocean. And tower doesn't and feel no, like the right term. It's it's the high room. Yeah, right? on it, that it side. Uh, so um, when, so in the previous did. minute, when Eric looks up to Ariel... That room is in the same space the next day. Mm-hmm. They didn't change anything. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, he looked up to that exact same spot yes. um, previously from, from a little field area, which I think is the same place that he was playing his recorder. All right, and um, now we get to the moment that makes me really think the room is magic. Uh, as Ariel runs out the door, Sebastian falls off the bed, and the perspective is such that either the nightstand or the fireplace has disappeared. Yeah, something has shifted. Yes. Um, has anything else disappeared? Yes, there has. So, on the master shot, we see that the bed is uh, on a platform. It's like a half-step platform at most. It's not very big. But around that is a rug. And the rug clearly goes to the far side of the fireplace. But when Sebastian falls off the bed, there is no rug. It's just wood flooring, Just wood flooring. So, we have a disappearing rug, possibly disappearing furniture, yeah, and I can't excuse all of that as just like the angle because I like the one that you're talking about is a very short-lived, you know, scene mm-hmm. where yeah, Sebastian falls off the bed, Ariel runs out the door, and you have it from from Sebastian's view, right? They do like a fish-eyed mm-hmm. angle, low, all of that. low angle shot, um, and yeah, so everything should still be in place, but it really the- maybe seems like they've just drawn a different background and it. Wasn't planned so, to be the same room. Like is nobody somewhat, was planning this is out. It's somewhat consistent with what they had, but mm-hmm. not all the details are there. Yeah, the, I have no good explanation on that. When he falls off the bed, it does seem like there might be blue sheets there again. It could be shadow. I'm willing to count that. So you, but it could be pushed all the blue sheets off and found no, they, white sheets. That's the thing. These are sheets that are hanging off the bed, whereas bef- clearly before it was all white sheets on the bed. Oh, man. So these blue sheets have... This magic room. Uh, yeah. Changing sheets, also, carpets Also, the Sebastian would have moved from the head of the bed to the foot of the bed in order to fall off. Yeah, because when Ariel put him down, he was, yeah. he was he towards is, the head of the he bed. He was uh, on a pillow. He's a fast walker. I, a no, yeah, side I, I am. <laughs> I'm willing to give a lot of how he got down there. It's just, that's more. That's not magic. That's just like why did he go to the foot yeah. of the bed to fall off? Okay, it doesn't totally track on the head. Fortunately, this is one of the shortest lived backgrounds in the entire film. I think oh. it's there for two seconds. We haven't gotten into the piece. There is stops. Okay. Behind the headboard is a shrub. Okay. There is not enough space between the headboard and the wall, visually, for there Could to be, be a shrub. <laughs> and this is a big shrub. Now, that's shrub, a weird one. Magic shrubs are not rare in fairy tales. Yeah, we can. 
You you definitely find it's, examples. It's the magic two dimensional shrub. Yes, yes. This is cl- this is clearly not painted on. This is an actual plant behind the headboard. It's and weird it, placement. It doesn't seem like there's an alcove is there it, for it to shape into. I'm trying to remember. Does it seem like the stem and the base of the shrub is behind is it, the headboard? Yes, because we it, just have the leaves. So above. it's being kept behind the. That's a weird one. That is because yeah, I was like, thinking maybe it was like. Directly next to the bed, and it's no. like going. This under. is a, this no is a choice. this is a large shrub. There's not enough space for a root system between the bed and the wall that would support this shrub. Um, I got nothing. Nope. Unless I do. Okay. Magic. Ah, <laughs> this is a magic room. The solution. We have a magic shrub, and somehow we have disappearing objects. All right. Oh, another piece. Okay. That I I just remembered. We have the. Ever-changing wainscoting. Oh, you you mentioned that and pointed that out to me while we were talking. Yeah, like prepping the minutes. Um, so, so in what way does it change? In a lot of shots, it's very sh- short, like a, almost like a baseboard. Right. So, room. so like the the wainscoting, like sometimes it's like there's a chair rail, which would be at the height of the back of a chair. Yeah. Right. And so that is you know roughly waist to hip high. Territory, yeah. right? That's what you would expect for a lot of that type and of feature. And there are shots where it's that high. Mm-hmm. But there are other shots where it is much like lower. knee high. Yeah. Or lower. And then mm-hmm. most of the time it is just a series of squares with one uh, beveling or ridge. I don't know the technical term. Yeah, but, but the, the frame yeah. of the square. And just repeating. Mm-hmm. But when we cut to the fireplace, there are clearly two Ridges. So it's like a nested framing mm-hmm. thing that then disappears. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know why she's teleporting between rooms <laughs> so much. But something. Well, it doesn't even have to be teleporting. On. Maybe this is a fireplace that just rotates. The one, that, you know, a Scooby Doo fireplace. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a, Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah it's a. It's and a so sneaky, in one room they have the double house. Double ridges, and in her real room so is she, the single room. When she went to the fireplace, like check my hair. Rotate, and because it's, yeah. because because there's better lighting in the other room, right? Uh, as good an explanation as any. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or magic. <laughs> yep. Now I will say, looking at uh, the furniture and the frames in here, I'm not really sure Ron Swanson would approve of this woodworking. Oh, I'm. I don't think this is really his style. As as nautical as it is, it's well, not, not his type I, of I don't mean that. I don't mean that in general. I just mean woodworking in general, as he knows it. I don't think you really approve of a lot of this stuff. It seems a little unfinished. I I mean, I really get the feeling that this palace, the the carpentry was not their focus. They seem much more interested in the um, like the plaster work that you see on the exterior. Well, of the I'd be palace. much more worried and about the, making sure that it doesn't flood from the seawater. Yeah, so I think I think it's. Yeah, the carpentry I don't think is their focus. Also, the, the and we talked about this um, previously. The dining hall is like all bath, massive glass and iron, like the like the Crystal Palace, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very particular. Which would also um, put in late eighteen hundreds. In eighteen hundreds, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the woodworking not their finest working. Um, and I think that holds up when we talk about the kitchen, right? The kitchen has some fairly rough woodworked edges. I think that's mm-hmm. right. No. The- you could see that more in the kitchen than you would in a guest bedroom. Yeah, you'd anticipate or, that more in the kitchen. Or one of the, uh, not, not even guests, maybe this is a borrowed uh, room a, of a one of the mainstays. Bedroom. Yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, was there anything else on on the room? Have you got that? No. I did my detective work on this room, just as I did in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I did the detective work in there for the dwarves' Always bedrooms. Always good. We appreciate to, it. To get deep into the decor yes. of, of the bedrooms. It all has meaning. It all means something. Well, I mean, all of it was painted by somebody, so it means yeah. something to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to some degree. Uh, is there anything else critical that we got to talk about on this minute? think we're good. That's all we have for you today, listeners. We are part of Dueling Genre, and you can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all the Dueling Genre productions. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels Group. I need to... I get out of breath on that one sometimes, and it's starting to, <laughs> starting to get to me. Uh, John... Please direct people to uh, the main resources for finding more of your insights and work. Uh, you can find me occasionally on Fox Podcast and on Protagonist Podcast. We want to thank Scott Tofty and Nick English for the, the theme music that we have and the theme art. I'm going to call it theme art. Um, you know, the main art for our podcast. And until next time, listeners, thank you for making us part of your world.